Welcome to the Rhodes Church Podcast. We are so excited to connect with you. We hope that this podcast builds your faith and that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. All right, let's jump right into our message today. It was called Preparing a Dwelling Place. Maybe you've heard of it. We've been talking about it. I think this is our second week on Preparing a Dwelling Place. If you're new, it is not our second week. But let's get our Bibles out. Come on, here at the Rose Church, we get excited when we open our Bibles because we believe it is the inspired Word of God. So if you got your Bibles, come on, Mount Carmel, Carlinville, North City, E. Rhodes family, let's get excited as we open them to Exodus chapter 29. Woo! Exodus 29. Today we're going to be talking about something a little bit different. We've been talking about corporate dwelling place and what it means for the presence of God to... We use the word manifest or show up or appear in our church services. We want that. We also, you know, from a corporate standpoint. But today I'm going to talk about a little bit on the individual side. And I'm going to give you, well, I'm not going to give you all five, but we're going to be ta- start talking about, I thought I was going to be giving them all five. And I realized in the first service that I'm not going to get through all five. But I'm talk about five phases of preparing a personal dwelling place with God. Five phases. These are not necessarily uh, step-by-step. They're not one-time things, but we'll explain that. Five phases of preparing a personal dwelling place with God. Let's look at Exodus chapter 29. We'll start reading in verse 38. It says, Now this is what you shall offer on the altar, two lambs of the first year, day by day, continually. We've talked about that verse. Verse 39, one lamb you shall offer in the morning, the other lamb you shall offer at twilight. With the one lamb you uh, shall be one-tenth of an ephah of flour mixed with one-fourth of a hen of pressed oil and one-fourth of a hen of wine as drink offering. And the other lamb you shall offer at twilight and you shall offer with it a grain offering and the drink offering as in the morning for a sweet aroma and offering made by fire to the Lord. This shall be a continual burnt offering throughout your generations at the door of the tabernacle of meeting before the Lord, where I will meet you to speak with you, and there I will meet with, my ch- with the children of Israel, and the tabernacle shall be sanctified by my glory. So I will consecrate the tabernacle of meeting and the altar. I will also consecrate both Aaron and his sons to minister to me as priests. I will dwell among the children of Israel and will be their God, and they shall know that I am the Lord their God, who brought them up out of the land of Egypt that I may dwell among them. I am the Lord their God. I am the Lord their God. Five phases of a personal dwelling place with God. Let's look at the first phase. Phase one, we're going to find in verse 42, all five of these start with the letter E, as in Everett. Just kidding, it's not has anything to do with my name. But all five of them do start with E, so we have some alliteration going on, all the letters, but we're just going to get into them. The first one, ready? First phase is enter, enter the door, enter the door. Look in verse 42, he says that throughout your generations of, uh, at the door, at the tabernacle of meeting before the Lord. A continual burnt offering throughout your generations at the door of the tabernacle. Phase one is enter the door. If we're going to experience the presence of God, if we're going to walk in the things of God, the first thing we have to do is go through the right door. The word door there in the Hebrew means an opening, a portal, entranceway in and out of a space, an access point where you enter or leave an area. 
So what is the door for getting into the things of God? If the first phase is the enter, where we enter, so important. Look at John chapter 10. Let's talk about the door. It says, then Jesus said to them again, most assuredly, I'm in talking verse 7 here. Most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. I am the door of the sheep. So who's the door? Jesus is the door. I'm going to take, do my part today to make sure and teach this and make sure you get it down again. I was shooting for all five. I had all five prepared. If you're looking at the version notes, you'll see that all five of them are ready, locked, and loaded. <laughs> but here's what I found in my own life, for me personally, and in pastoring 16 years this month. Yeah, I was excited about that. Yeah, thank you. Four people are enjoying that I'm the pastor of this church. That's great. That's great. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I don't need it. But here's what I found. Here's what I found. Just because we know something doesn't mean we do something. And just because I've heard something doesn't mean I've applied something. So what we're going to do today is we're going to do our best to just focus on a couple phases and see what God brings out in truth. So he says here in John chapter 10, I am the door. So who is the door? Jesus is the door. Jesus is the entryway. He is the portal. He is the access point, if you will. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through through me. So he's the door. We can't go any other way. There's no getting to heaven. There's no eternity outside of going through Jesus of Nazareth. Let's preach the gospel. Because what's happening in, the, in our society is this ideology and this teaching. But it's not just, well, Jesus, that's a little harsh. God is love and he loves everybody. He does love everybody. That's a very true statement. But he gave one way to get to him and that's through Jesus. My morality won't get me to Jesus. My church attendance won't get me to Jesus. My giving of money won't get me, get me to, to heaven. It has to be through Jesus. So who's the door? Jesus. Jesus. Verse 9, he says again, in case you didn't get it in verse 7, he says, I am the door, period. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and go in and out and find pasture. Woo, Jesus, he's the door. The thief does not come except to do what? To steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that they may have, and they may have it more. So Jesus came to give us what? He came to give us. But the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So Jesus is the doorway into Life, thank you. Some of you got it already. He is the door into life. So is there any life outside of Jesus? No. no. There is existing. People say, well, I'm alive and I don't serve Jesus. You're existing, but it's not life. There's only life in Jesus. He says, I'm the door. So now Jesus is the door or entryway into the system of heaven or the kingdom of heaven. Look at John chapter 3. Jesus answered and said to him, he's talking to Nicodemus, 
Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. This is a powerful truth. Unless we are born again, we can't even see the kingdom of God. When I say the kingdom of God, I want you to make sure you understand the kingdom of God is not a far off place. The Bible talks about the kingdom of God as talking about a system or a way of living. The kingdom of God is operated or led by a king, a king's dominion. So a kingdom is the way a king governs his area. In other words, this is how he rules or how he rolls. So when we're talking about the kingdom of God, I want you to think about in the lines of a king and his dominion and how he functions and how he operates, his system, everything, that's the kingdom of God. Most of the time when people say, well, what's the kingdom of God? They think about heaven like the location and that's not the full meaning of kingdom of God. Is heaven, does heaven a part of the kingdom of God? Yes, because he's there. But the kingdom of God is more than that. It's a system. It's a way of operating even on the earth. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in That was Jesus' prayer. So in John chapter 3, he says to Nicodemus, he said, yo, Nicodemus, uh, unless you're born again, you can't even see the kingdom of God. You know, when we're lost and we're in sin, unless we come to Jesus, we can't even see how he operates. I can't even see, I can't even comprehend living that way until I'm born again. How many of you can remember what it was like before you were born again and then after you got born again and wow, it's a whole new world? Right? I was totally impromptu. It's like, it's like all of a sudden your eyes are open to things you've never seen before. I, I was talking to someone just recently who just gave their life to Jesus, and they were talking about, I went to work, and I get to work, and all of a sudden I'm hearing my boss, and I'm hearing my coworkers talk, and I'm, I'm hearing all this language, and I'm like, oh, man. It was going on before but they didn't see, they didn't see that there was another way. And this is what happens when we get born again. Until we're born again, I can't even see how God wants me to function because I can't grasp it. I'm dead in my sins. It takes a born again experience to see a new way of life. This is phase one going through the door. He goes on in his discussion with Nicodemus. Because Nicodemus is a little tripped out by this statement about you, you, you got to be born again. And Nicodemus, verse 4, he says, um, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time? That's just weird. I don't even want to think about that. Let's go to verse 5. Verse 5, Jesus. Jesus answered. Nicodemus, that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. That's not what he said. That's not what he said. He, here's what I like about Jesus. He didn't even acknowledge what Nicodemus said. He just moved on. 
He continues on with his teaching. Jesus answered, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one, unless one is born of water and the Spirit. Now, born of water doesn't mean water baptism. Some people will teach that. But the construct of the verse is talking about the difference, the juxtaposition between the natural and the spiritual. So what that means is born of water is the natural part. Born of the Spirit is the spiritual part. You know, mamas, whenever you're pregnant, whenever you're getting ready to have that baby, what breaks? Your water breaks. So born of water, the qualification to operate in the kingdom of heaven, you have to have two qualifications. Number one, you have to be born of a woman. You have to be a human being. Born of water. Number two, you have to be born of the spirit. When the Holy Spirit comes in and makes your dead spirit a new creation. That's the two phases that he's talking about. He says, unless you're born of water and spirit, you can't enter the kingdom of God. Oh, wow. So now, unless I'm born of a woman, check. February 22nd, 1972. (laughs) Unless I was born of a woman and born of the Spirit, now, unless I do that, I can't even enter through the door of the system or the way God does things. That's what he's telling Nicodemus. Jesus is the door. We have to be willing to go through the door to see and experience the kingdom of God. We can't experience God's ways unless we go through God's method. God's method, God's door is not just church attendance. I love and we're thankful. We appreciate church attendance. But church attendance is unto something. It is not the something it's unto. See, church attendance is unto a person. To help you get to know a person, to experience a person. So now he says, now I can enter into God's way of doing things by being born again. I can come to church for a long time and never be born again. There's a lot of people that do it. They are in, they're faithful attenders of church, but they've never been born again. They've never been born of the Spirit, like new creation, like eyes wide open, like sin dead. I'm living to Jesus. That's the difference. So he said, unless you do that, then you can't enter the kingdom of God. So how do we go through the door? If the door is Jesus. So let's talk practically. How do I go through the door? If the door is Jesus. Am I just talking about getting saved? No, I'm not just talking about getting saved because here's what some people will do. They, they will think phase one is checking the box. I got born again. Boom, I'm done. Phase one, I want to present to you. Phase one is an ongoing process of continuing to encounter and experience more of God. There will be more doors that you and I have to go through to experience everything that God has for us. Phase one is the door. All right, so let's look. go to John chapter one. John chapter one. It says this. In the beginning was the word. In the beginning was what? The word, capital W. And the word was with God and the word was God. So who are we talking about? Who is the word? Jesus. He was in the beginning with God. All things, talking about Jesus, were made through him, and without him, Jesus, nothing was made that was made. So now let's go back and let's read these verses, because again, I'm I'm talking about the door, and I want to talk practically, how do we go through the door in our areas of life, in our situations in life? How do I go through the right door? I cannot go through the right door unless I understand that Jesus is the door, and Jesus is the word, 
So the word is the door. Are you tracking with me? I, I was watching back the messages. I need to smile more. So I'm saying this like. Um, I was watching back and I'm like, man, you're so serious. Just intense. <laughs> so let's read it back. Let's read it back. In the beginning was the word or Jesus and Jesus or the word was with God and Jesus or the word was God. So Jesus or the word was in the beginning with God. All things, this, this part's important. All things were made through Jesus or the word. Everything that was made, we think Jesus the person made them. Yes and yes, also Jesus the word made them. What are you saying? When the Bible says in Genesis chapter 1, then God said, let there be light. That was Jesus. That was God. Yes. See, people have to understand theologically the right development of the trilogy, the trilogy, the Trinity. <laughs> it's a sequel. But the tri- Stay focused. Smile. Just smile. There we go. I have no control over what's happening right now. <laughs> so just, just smile. Amen. Praise the Lord. <laughs> I got to get to phase two. Let's go. In him was life. I'm sorry, I'm not on that. All things were made through him. So practically. So the word of God is the door to the kingdom of God, the system of God, or the ways of God. So now, how do we go through the door? How do we go through the door? We only go through the right door when we understand that the door is the Word of God. Here's what we've got to do. We've got to get the Bible back off the coffee table, off the nightstand. We've got to get it back into our everyday life because this is the door to the system of God. This is the door to how He operates. In other words, practically speaking, what do you mean, Chad? How do I do that? I'm glad you asked. If you are facing difficulty, a struggle, or something in your life that you don't know what to do, we have to go through the door. So what that means is, as I'm facing this option, I've got door number one, which is my fleshly response. I've got door number two, which is my spiritual response. It is Jesus. So in that moment that I'm facing something, I have a choice which door I'm going to go through. And if I don't know the word of God, I won't know to choose this way. So if I'm facing anxiety and and over a decision, then I need to say, Lord, I need your wisdom. I need your direction to make this. So what do I do? I get the word out and I say, oh, I'm freaking out. I don't know what to do. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know how this is going to turn out. So I need to go through the right door. What do I do? I don't go through my feelings or my emotions door. I go through the word door. Because Jesus is the door and the word is Jesus. 
So I go to Philippians chapter four and verse six, and it says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. So I go through that door and instead of going, oh, I'm just worried sick. I'm worried to death. I say all these things out of my mouth. When I say all those things out of my mouth, I'm choosing door number one. And I'm going in that door and I'm wondering why I'm freaking out with anxiety and fear. It's because I chose that door. I chose that door not because I'm a bad person. It's because I didn't know how to go through the right door. And I've got to use the right door. And the right door is going to the word of God and saying, okay, I need to figure out how to do this. I need to figure out how to fix this problem at work. I need to figure out how to do this. I need to know my response right now to this situation. What do I need to do? I need to go to the word of God and choose the right door. I can either respond to my spouse in the flesh or I can respond in the spirit. Because what door I go in determines what I experience on the inside. If I choose the flesh door, when I get in that room, it's not looking good. But here's something that's encouraging. Just happened during worship. God just dropped this in my heart. I was so excited. Some of you might have thought I was just that excited about the song, but I was just excited about what God just showed me. That no matter, maybe you've been like me and you've chose the wrong door. I'm not talking about a one-time event. I'm talking about daily we make these choices. So if you get in and you choose the wrong door, here's what you need to know. Just like above these doors, they have the exit sign, the exit sign. And no matter what door you go into, what room you go into, I made a mistake, I made a huge blunder, I made a horrible life choice, I made a bad response, I acted out of the flesh. No matter what happens, you went through that door. No matter what room you're in, there is always a door inside of that room that above it says Jesus. But I don't care where you are. There's a door that says Jesus from where you are to get you where you need to go. You're like, it's too late. I've ruined my life. I am in this mess. Yes, we chose the wrong door. But go through Jesus' door. There's redemption. Redemption available. Let's go to face number two. Face number two. Smile at your neighbor. Say we're happy today. Look at verse 42. I, I skipped Exodus chapter 29, look at verse 42. At the tabernacle, sorry, at the door of the tabernacle meeting before the Lord where I will meet you to speak with you. Phase one is enter the right door. You got to be willing to go through the right door. Phase two is the word engage. Engage. I'm not talking about wedding. Wedding. I'm talking about engage, like meeting. He says, there I will meet you to speak with you. Here's what the word meet there means. In the Hebrew, it's really kind of cool to me, but I'm a little bit of a Bible nerd. But The word meet there is the same Hebrew word that we just read last week of throughout your generations. Remember when we were talking about throughout your generations, that that was like the goal was to the generations? Well, God uses that same word and they translate it meet. So phase two, what I understand from that in phase two, the goal of God that he's moving towards is to speak with us. 
So once we go through the door, what is the door? The word. The door is turning off my emotions and turning on the word of God. Are you telling me I'm going to have to read that Bible? (laughs) You don't have to do nothing. But if you want freedom, it's found in here. It's the right door. It's the right door. So now, once you get in there, then here's what he wants to do. The reason he wants you to open your Bible is not so that you can check off the box that I read my devotion today. He wants to speak to you. Why does he want us to get out our Bibles? Because he wants to talk to us. He wants to tell you something. That's what the word is about. He wants to engage us. Once we come through the door, he wants to engage us with conversation. He wants to tell us all that he has for us. Let me give you some scriptures quickly. John 6, 63, it is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are The words that God is speaking to me on these pages, they are life to me. They are living, powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. It is life to me. I'm not just reading dead words on paper. I am reading a person talking back to me. That's how you got to read your Bible. Look what it says in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20. My son, my daughter, give attention to whose words? To my words, give attention. What does that mean? Everybody right now, give me your attention. What happened? You looked up and you focused on me. So in other words, it tells me you and I have attention that we choose who we give it to. You've got attention. Like I just can't pay attention. You can. You give it to something. And he's saying, my son, give your attention to my words. In other words, you're going to have a lot of other words in your life that you can give your attention to, but I'm telling you, don't give your attention to what they're saying. Give your attention to what I'm saying. This is why he wants to engage us. Look what happens. Incline your ear to my sayings. Here's practical points how we're going to walk in freedom and walk in the presence of God. Is I get the Bible out, I go through the door, and I start reading scriptures. And I start reading scriptures. I keep giving my attention to what he's saying. I'm inclining my ear to his sayings, and I'm declining my ear from other people's sayings. Decline your ear from other people. I'm just... Stop reading junk that's going to promote more anxiety and fear and read what God says about your situation. Smile. It makes me feel better. It's, it's like we, we get caught in this rut, and I'm, I do the same thing, so I'm preaching to myself. We get caught of rehearsing and going over and meditating what the problem is instead of reading the life of the solution that will get us out of it. That's his goal. He wants to engage us. He says, listen, don't let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life. They are what? They are are life. They are what? They are life, 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 life. Come on, that's Nemo. They are life. (laughs) I'm working hard up in here. Just keep you engaged. But they're life, right? The word of God is life to those who find it, to those who To those who find it. What does finding involve? Looking. I can't find something if I don't look for it. Ladies, 
<laughs> That's all I had to say. I'm moving on. <laughs> I didn't even have to make my point. The guys were like, what? We know. We know. Hey, babe, have you seen? The reason we ask is because they always have. They always point me right direction. There it is. See, that's why I ask. You got to find it. Hey, here's what I'm saying. Here's what I'm saying. If we're going to make, if we're going to break out of the life that we don't want to be in, it's not going to happen accidentally. We have to go looking for our new life. We have to go looking for that new attitude. Well, I'd just like to change my attitude. Great. Go find it. Go through the door and be speaking the attitude of heaven into your heart. And start meditating on that, that I, I just thank you, Lord, that I have the fruits of the Spirit. I have love, joy, peace, gentleness, meekness, temperance, faith, and self-control in the name of Jesus. I just can't help myself. I just speak over myself the, the fruit of the Spirit because the works of the flesh are these, but I want the fruit of the Spirit. Phase two is engaging with what he says. Look what he says in Jeremiah 33. Call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. Why does God want us to read the Bible? So he can show us some great things that we don't know. He calls them great and mighty things. You know what mighty things means? The word mighty things, mighty there means inaccessible, out of reach. Out of reach. You know what that means to me? is that when I read the Bible, God wants to show me things that are currently without him out of my reach, but with them, oh, Jesus, 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 here's what he wants to do. <laughs> you can look, whichever way you want to look at it, you could probably preach it either way. I like to think of it this way, that he doesn't put it into my reach because he lowers it. I think he brings it into my reach because... He takes me up higher. <laughs> huh? Because he says, what, where are we seated? We're seated in, anybody know that verse? It's in Ephesians. Seated in heavenly places. How Far? Far above. All principalities and powers. He said, Chad, I want to show you some great mighty things. They're out of your reach without me, but with, with me, if you come up with me, come up to where I am, it's going to be right there. Mm. He's going to show you. Let me give you another one. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 said, But as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. There's things that our eyes haven't seen, our ears haven't heard. It hasn't even entered our hearts. How are we going to know about it? we got to go through the door, and we got to engage with what God says. God wants to engage in conversation. Look what he says he's going to do in verse 10. But God has revealed them to us through his Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. Here's the thing. In phase two, God is looking to engage with us because he knows, oh, this is so important. This is me to a T. He knows that the, vo the voices we focus on the most will be the ones who influence us the most. Come on, talk to me, Jesus. You're going to have voices up here in your cranium all the time. Going on and on and on and on. And the voices we yield to the most will influence us the most. 
So when my mind is going jacked up crazy, I've got to have another door that I can go into and say, Lord, I don't have anything up here right now that is of your kingdom, so I'm going to meditate on what you say until what you say becomes the thing that influences who I am. In other words, the thing that I think about the most is the thing that I will emulate. Why am I a bag of stress and chaos? Probably because I'm focusing on things that are stressful and chaotic. That's not a condemnation. It's just a reality. Why, are you, why do you see all the negative things about your spouse? Oh, because you're focusing on all the negative things. Sorry, that was way too close to home, I guess, for some people. Let's move on to something a little more superficial. Why, why am I focusing on the, bad, on the bad things that's going on in the world? Why, why, why am I having all these struggles in my feelings? Because God says the voices that you look to and you focus on the most will be the one that influences you the most. Romans chapter 10 verse 17 says, So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Here's, where, here's where t- two phases. We didn't get to all five of them today. So come back. Because the next phase is the encounter phase. Oh, man. Phase one, right now, here's, here's our homework for this week. Choose the right door. This is, this is homework assignment for Chad Everett right here. Choose the right door. What do, I, what do I mean? I didn't say choose the right feeling. Who's going to come up here and help me? Don't choose the easy feeling. Don't choose the the one that that just comes naturally. I didn't say anything about that. I said choose the right door, and the door is the... Come on, and not everybody's got it yet because we're we're not used to using this as a part of our everyday life. This is something we take to church on Sunday, or maybe we read with a devotional for really spiritual people. You know, statistics say that only super crazy spiritual people even read their Bible once a day. I mean, that's just statistics. That's, again, not to make anybody feel bad. This is reality. That we're not used to think, waking up and saying, I have this major project at work. I need to figure out what I need to do. Let me go through the door of James chapter 1. says, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men liberally, and it shall be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. I'm going to go through the door of wisdom. Lord, I thank you. You're going to show me how to teach these kids in this classroom in a whole new way. I got that kid in this class. I can't figure out how to reach them. I can't figure out how to connect to them. Well, let me go through the door. And we got a mechanical problem with this machine. I, I, I can't figure out how to, how to fix it, how to put it together. Let's go through the door. God don't know nothing about mechanicking. I don't know why I need that voice to say that. I mean, what's, what's the point for that? God don't know anything about mechanicking. See, we could be even. Just talk amongst yourselves. I'm really right. Do we put God in categories of what He can do and what He not do? Do we not say, "Well, God, you're for spiritual church stuff, but this natural stuff, like Todd said in the video." I'll be a man. I'll handle this. What about saying, I'm a man. 
I need you, Jesus. I'm a man. I need you. I don't know how to be a husband. I don't know how to be a dad. I don't know how to be a boss. I don't know how to be an employee. Jesus, help me. Help me, Jesus. You gotta go through the door. We, we put him in these categories. Put him in these categories. And we're running short on bills. I can't seem, we can't seem to make ends meet. Let's go through the door. Let's go through the door and see what he says. See what he says about finance. I t- I'll tell you what he's going to say. He's going to talk to you about giving. It's the door. It's the door. If we go through the right door, we'll get the right results. But the problem is, the problem is, the problem is, oh, I got to stop. That is the problem. I got to stop. But the problem is the doors on the outside don't always tell the whole story. If it was so easy on the outside to make the right choice, because in the moment of the feels, (laughs) this door looks appealing. Just say it. Just get it off your chest. Oh, go right on through that door. Or you'll ask somebody else. I'll tell you what I would do in your situation if I were you. Careful, careful, careful. Some of the dumbest information you're ever going to receive is preceded by the phrase, if I were you. (laughs) So sometimes, sometimes the door of the flesh, the door of the world's way is beautiful. And sometimes the door of Jesus' way is broken down, not appealing, not fancy. The Bible says that Jesus was not and appeared in any way in Isaiah 53 that we should behold him and be enamored by his outward appearance. So sometimes the selfish fleshly door feels so good but I'm just telling somebody today that no matter what room you get into, if you choose the wrong door, there's a Jesus door on the inside that you can get out of. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to give, please visit us at theroads.church. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch our latest sermons.